far, far away, nope, even further, to the edge of the universe, a first-of-its-kind discovery. The farthest individual star ever seen to date. So far away, its light has taken 12.9 billion years to reach Earth. Really looking at these very distant stars is kind of unraveling our own past and figuring out where we came from. On TV, we only get a few minutes to share each story, but here we get to tell you all the details about stories that are important to Greater Cincinnati. I'm Stephen Albritton, and this is WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. Today on the pod, meet Arundel, and it's been a long wait. We chat with the man who led the way making this major discovery and how this new find will help unlock secrets of the universe. Here's Johns Hopkins University astrophysicist Brian Welsh. You guys were going through the data. It had to have been a very cool moment when you guys figured out what you had in front of you. Yeah, yeah, it was really exciting. It was definitely a slow process. We didn't, uh, we didn't quite believe it right away because we were trying to model the galaxy that we found the star in. And as we were looking through the, the models and trying to figure out what we were looking at, it kept predicting that this one part of the, the galaxy was very highly magnified to the point that it was only consistent with what we thought was a single star. Uh, but it seemed almost too good to be true at first, so it took a, a long time to kind of convince ourselves that what we were seeing was actually real. But once we got there, it was really exciting to, to know that we had found something like this. And, you know, people listening to this are probably going to say, how do you figure out is something something's 12.9 billion years away from us, or at least we're receiving the light 12.9 billion years after it was, you know, projecting the light, I guess you'd call it. You know, how, how does that come about? How do you make that determination, how old it is, how far away it is, considering, you know, the universe is only a few billion years uh, older than that? Yeah, it's uh, the way that we're able to me measure these distances is through something called redshift. So since the universe is expanding, as we look at galaxies that are further away, they're moving away from us and there's new space being created constantly between us and them. So as the light from these distant objects travels towards us, it actually loses energy and it starts to shift to, to redder wavelengths. So it looks redder and redder as it crosses more of the space. So that's how we're able to, to figure out how far away these things are based on how much the light seems to be shifted redward. And, and with that, I know it's not something where you just point the telescope and there it is. You guys have had to use some kind of magnifying that the universe naturally has. I've heard it described as the light on the bottom of a pool if you're looking through water. Can you kind of tell us about that? Yeah, it's a, a process called gravitational lensing. So when you have a really massive object, uh, in this case, it's a cluster of galaxies. So hundreds of galaxies all bound together. Uh, these massive objects actually distort the space around them. So think of like a, a bowling ball on a trampoline. And as light passes through this bent space, it almost seems like the light itself is bending. If you are an outside observer, that's kind of what it looks like. And as this light bends, it's just like going through a, a glass lens, you know, in your eyeglasses or magnifying glass. Um, except, unfortunately, the, uh, the gravitational lenses are not quite so smooth as these uh, eyeglass lenses that we make. So it's more like looking through the bottom of a wine glass. It ends up distorting the, the objects that we see. And when you get something that lines up just right, we get to these really extreme magnifications. So in this case, the star is magnified by a factor of thousands. So we see it thousands of times brighter than we would without the magnification effect. So it's, it's really just because we get this, this perfect alignment that we're able to see this, this object. Now, people at home would probably be 
be saying, you know, why, why do we need to know about this star that's billions and billions and billions of years old and we're just now seeing the light? What does this mean in terms of astronomy, you know, astrophysics and studying the universe and how it interacts with us in the long term? So it, as we, the, the things that we see in space, the stars that we see in space are the, the forges where they heavier elements that end up making up things like Earth and us end up coming from. And all of these had to come from somewhere. After the Big Bang, we basically are left with just hydrogen and a little bit of helium. So the, the first generation of stars really start forming these heavy elements. And as we look into these early stars, we're able to pick apart how they form and how they create these heavier elements that end up going into us. So really looking at these very distant stars is kind of unraveling our own past and figuring out where we came from. So it's a, a really interesting thing just from that sense. It's also really interesting from a purely astronomical sense. These are objects that the universe at that time looks very different. So it's really interesting to study how these objects work uh, and just get a sense of you know how these stars are living their lives in such a different universe than we see today. And all of this was seen by the legendary space telescope Hubble, which we all know is coming to the end of its lifespan, and the web is about to come online here in the next few months, and everything I've read says the pictures and the clarity is going to be something like we've never seen before. How is the web going to play into this discovery along with other things that you guys are working on? Yeah, web is going to be a really great tool uh, for this star and then other distant objects. So. Webb's big new capability, besides the larger mirror, is that it looks further into the infrared. So that redshift effect that moves all of the light from these very distant objects redward ends up pushing them out of the range of Hubble at a certain point. And this star is towards the edge of that range, but not quite on the edge. Uh, the most distant galaxies that we've seen so far are right on the edge of what Hubble can do. Uh, but we really expect with Webb that we'll be able to get a different lens into the universe at this, this very early time, we'll be able to see these very highly redshifted objects. So the goal is that we'll be able to discover you know, what the first stars really look like when we start to look with Webb. Uh, that being said, Hubble is still doing a great job and it's absolutely going to be a complementary instrument. So some people like to refer to Webb as Hubble's successor, but I would say it's uh, much more that the two of them are going to work together in the future since Hubble focuses on those bluer wavelengths. When we use the objects together, we'll get a, a much more complete picture of what's going on in, in any distant galaxies or any other objects that we look at with either telescope. Now, now, Brian, as I'm talking to you, you know, obviously this will be on our uh, Beyond the Studio podcast, but you're a very young guy. What are you, like 27, 28, maybe? Yeah, I'm 27 years old. 27 years old, and you're an astrophysicist who just discovered something 12.9 billion years away. I think there's going to be a lot of people intrigued. How did you get interested in astrophysics and being an astrophysicist? And you're at Johns Hopkins now. You know, what's it been like to be so young and on the frontier of something like this? Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. Uh, I will say that I kind of got interested in this thanks to a couple of very awesome high school science teachers. So uh, it, it really is incredible how these 
teachers that we have when we're younger can really shape what we want to do when we grow up. And I was very fortunate to have two awesome physics teachers when I was in high school who got me interested in, in physics in general. And that, that led me off this path uh, of starting up with astronomy and astrophysics and, you know, trying to unlock the secrets of the universe. And I, I just got incredibly fortunate with this discovery to, to find something so young. I know this is kind of something that a lot of people spend their entire careers looking for and some of the uh, the co-authors that I have on this paper are some of those people who spent their whole lives looking for these sorts of objects. So it's uh, it's really really fortunate. I feel truly blessed to to be in this position, and you know, hopefully this is just a, a first step and a sign of things to come. But you know, I'll take this win while I've got it. Absolutely, and and you said it so perfectly. Unlocking the secrets of the universe. You know, what, what else is being worked on? What else can we kind of expect? I know it takes a lot of data crunching and, you know, bouncing it off of peers, asking questions, you know, debunking this, debunking that, trying to make sure uh, everything is accurate. But what's next? Uh, as far as what's next for, you know, for a lot of astronomers, really, it's it's going to be working with Webb. It's going to give us this new view into the very early days of the universe, uh, since we're looking at those very reddest wavelengths. So it's going to be really interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of chance for discovery once we start getting the first data from Webb. So especially for me, that's uh, that's what I'm working on next. And I'm really excited to, to see what Webb sees and, you know, see how far back we can go and how much we can learn about the earliest days of the universe love that brian thanks so much for taking a a few minutes out of your day i definitely appreciate it a big thanks to brian waltz for joining the podcast if you like this podcast be sure to subscribe rate and review this has been wlwt news 5 beyond the studio i'm stephen albritton thanks for listening we've all seen it that check engine light in our car do i check it now check it later can i keep driving That one light doesn't tell you what you need to know. And if you get your weather from a symbol on your phone, you're not getting the full story. WLWT Weather has the only certified most accurate forecast in Cincinnati. It's where you get the difference-making details. You'll know exactly what to expect and when, so you can plan your day. WLWT Weather, Cincinnati's certified most accurate forecast.